on the field, inside the clubhouse, and everything in between. This is Brewers Weekly. Here's Dominic Catronio. Positive vibes only, please. Let's stay positive. Could be worse. Could be the Cardinals. Just being real. They're 500. Okay. We didn't have a post-game show yesterday after the loss against the Twins. Same story, different day. Brewers fell behind early. Couldn't come back. They took the lead, actually, briefly on those back-to-back homers, but couldn't add any more offense. And then when you're trailing in a two-run lead and they haven't overcome a two-run deficit in a month, it's uh, alarming. And I obviously didn't have the post-game show on Tuesday. You heard it here on Brewers Extra Innings with Greg Matzik when the Devin Williams implosion happened. I don't want to spend too much time on that game and what's going on, but a text I sent to a friend talking about, oh my gosh, what went wrong with Devin? You know, like for all my friends, I'm the Brewers source, you know, like what is going on with Devin Williams? What just happened? Like when you consistently ask for perfection every single time, it's not sustainable. It's just not. So I believe I've told you multiple times throughout this program and throughout weeklies or throughout extra innings, appreciate it. Appreciate generational closing while you have it because the meltdown, yeah, it was a meltdown of all meltdowns, but nobody's, almost nobody's ever 100% in saves. And he was human for a night. He's going to flush it. I imagine as soon as he gets back in there, it'll be A-OK. Changeup looked flat. Wasn't his thing. And it was one of those days that you don't really have an excuse for it, which is the, the good way. If, you, if you're going to blow a game, right, you want to be able to say, well, you know, it was developing that way. The Brewers were in the lead for the most part of the game. And then you had a normal warm-up. It wasn't like you had to rush to get ready, like the Brewers suddenly took the lead or anything like that. It was a normal day, and he was rested. He was good to go, and stuff happens. That's the way baseball go, as Ron Washington would say. So I don't want to spend too much time on that. We're kind of taking a, a, a report card look at things right now. I'm going to go position group by position group. Offense, starting pitching, relieving, and defense. And then we're also going to talk about the division. I've also got some comments about Rob Manfred and the city of Oakland. Uh, We've talked about my connection with Oakland. And what's going on out there, trying to give you the, the Cliff Notes version of what's been happening between Oakland and Vegas. And don't fall for all the spin that everything that's been happening in the world. And I want to hear from you as well. 855-616-1620. Again, the phone number, 855-616-1620. That's the Old National Bank talking text line. Old National Bank, get old. Let's uh, let's start just with a quick touch and go of what's to come this week, what we're looking out for, what the Brewers have on the way. And this is a, maybe, forgive me for the hyperbole, the biggest series of the year. To date, I should say. The reason I say that is you're finally facing the Pirates for the first time this year. And you're at home. And you're going to see a lot of the Pirates here at the end of the first half. And you've got a pretty good setup of pitching lined up. Julio Tehran, who's been arguably your best pitcher in the last calendar month. Wade Miley will be back on Saturday, which is a sight for sore eyes to say the least. He'll be back early from his uh, muscle strain. And then Freddie Peralta on Sunday. And that also sets up the Diamondback series to have Corbin Burns pitch against them again. You remember he shoved against them back in April. But against the Diamondbacks, you will also see Merrill Kelly and Zach Gallen. So 
buckle up for that. But the point I'm getting at here with the Pirates, this is the most important series of the year to date because the Diamondbacks are behind them. Now, the Diamondbacks just lost three out of four at home to the Phillies. They may be cooling off at a perfect time for the Brewers to pounce. And the Pirates, they just, they've been playing good baseball. Yes, they lost the series to the A's. Well, hey, we got swept by them. But the point being, if you're going to lose one of these two series, lose the Diamondbacks series and win the Pirates series, we've talked plenty about how bad this division is. We know. Okay, the Brewers are 500 and very in it. The Pirates are just 34 and 32. In fact, Fangraphs right now still lists the Brewers as the favorite to win the division at 46%. The Pirates are second at 21%. Furthermore, it only gives the Pirates a 22% chance to win the, to make the postseason, which basically confirms everything we've known all year long. And now to this point in the year, we definitely know for the fact that that second wild card spot. That that last wild card spot, or I should say third wild card spot, excuse me, is going to be from somebody in the East or the West. It's not going to be in the Central, just like last year, right? The first year of the expanded playoff last year, you knew, like, hey, you probably have to win the division if you're going to make it in for the Brewers or for anybody in the Central, and that's going to be the case this year. Uh, and, yeah, the, the, the NL Central's bad, and so is the AL Central. But at the end of the day, this is the beauty of baseball, right? There are multiple avenues, and it's the hardest division, or it's the hardest sport to win your division and make the playoffs, still, in my opinion. And winning your division still matters. Yes, they'll likely, and this isn't for sure yet, but whoever wins this division is likely going to be facing a team with a better record than them that's a wild card team. Whether it's the Diamondbacks, whether it's the Phillies. You know, one of these teams. Not, I'm, I'm already writing off the Diamondbacks of not winning the West, which I should not do. So it could be the Dodgers, whomever it may be. But the point being is whoever wins the Central is going to be facing a team that they're probably not as good as, which is the case we saw last year when the Cardinals got boat raced, absolutely boat raced in their series. So I, I don't want to say, oh, yeah, you get in, good things will happen. But at the end of the day... As much as we hate this phrase these days, it's the truth. It's a bite at the apple. Okay? And the next month is going to be very stressful on Matt Arnold. I do not give him, uh, I, I should say, I give him all of my patience and, and consciously just kind of saying, look, man, I know your job is going to be hard for the next 30 to 45 days leading up to the trade deadline. And quite frankly, the team hasn't made it any easier on him by falling in this six-game losing streak right now down to a 500 team. You've got a core that's about to be free agents. You've got an injured ace pitcher in Brandon Woodruff. You've got a, another ace pitcher who hasn't been playing up to his potential. You've got your guy that's supposed to be the heir apparent in Freddie Peralta who has not been playing up to his potential as well. Offense has been bad. I mean, there's a lot to figure out here, but yet you're a game back of a first place in your division. This is the time when we start to really take stock. Okay, do you want to go for it? Or do you stand pat and say, ah, let's talk about it on July 20th. But if you do that, you risk missing out on guys. So we're going to talk about looking at the market next. Then we'll get into our report card with the positions and everything like that. Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Welcome back. I'm Tom Catronio. Brewers Weekly continuing here on WTMJ. We're going to take a look at the trade landscape in a moment. 
want to get to the phone lines here, 855-616-1620. Doug, you always listen patiently here on Breweries Weekly. Doug and Baraboo, you live here on WTMJ. Yeah, good evening, Dom. You know, thank goodness for our defense and our pitching. But I wonder, as a fan, I, I know it's not going to happen, but I would suggest maybe we drop the Saber Metrics, Analytics, War, platooning, the left, you know, right-hand pitchers and that type of thing, and go with, uh, go with uh, um, you know, a, a set lineup, especially now that we're, you know, last place in the National League with the OPS, you know, the batting on base percentage and, and the slugging, you know, maybe, maybe just give it a chance, especially with, with Pittsburgh coming in. And let me run down what my lineup would be. Yelich, Adamas, Miller, Taliz, Contreras, Anderson, Caratini, DH, Urias, and Weimer in, in that order. And when the thing about Contreras, I think he has to DH when he's not catching. You know, when he was with the Braves last year, he had he was he he had less than 400 at bats, but he had 20 home runs. I I believe they used him uh, as the DH when when he wasn't catching. So I would like to see he and and Caratini, uh, you know, flip flop in in that order and and just give it a chance. I know it's not probably going to happen, but that's just kind of a fan for me uh, inventing as a fan. I understand. Thanks for the call there, Doug. But I, I just kind of want to counter on the the platooning. I mean, that lineup you listed is their lineup. I mean, that that's the lineup because those are the best players right now. Uh, I know they've been playing John Singleton in the meantime because they need some pop somewhere in this order that you could hope to happen. But quite frankly, uh, if I had to guess right now, Jesse Winker is not playing in Nashville today, uh, and he's been on fire in Nashville if I had to guess, I mean, Jesse might be on his way back this weekend. We didn't get confirmation of that this week from the Twins series. Um, and quite frankly, Singleton would be the man out. Singleton would be the guy that gets DFA'd, unfortunately, if Winker returns. That's that's what how I see it right now, uh, given they've signed Rymel Tapia. So, But when it comes to the platooning and things of that nature, the struggle with it is that this is who they are. This is the offense. And even when they're put in the position to succeed, they're not succeeding. They are a below-average offense at this point in the season. And the reason why you platoon is to try to put them in their best-case scenarios, and it's not working. So at this point, that lineup you listed with Weimer and Urias and, and Caratini catching and, and Contreras DHing, that is pretty much the lefty lineup. You know, it's all right-handed hitters, but that's the personnel they have. They're just not seeing They're not executing, uh, in my opinion. Doug, I really do appreciate the call. I really do appreciate the time. I do want to talk about the fact that we have a couple of, you know, Twitter's so easy and folks on the text line are so easy to say, oh, just go get a bat. Oh, just go get this guy. When you actually look at who's available right now, it's not pretty. It's really not pretty. There's a reason these guys would be available, right? There isn't a major bat coming this trade deadline, depending on what the Angels are going to do with their guys, uh, at least for rental pieces, or you would have to do some sort of wacky trades to get somebody worthy that you can feel would really make an impact. I think the main bat that everyone's looking at is Tim Anderson right now. A shortstop, former batting champ, seems like he wants to win, but the White Sox are kind of in it. They're only like four games back, so no one knows what to do with them. The Angels, they've obviously got Shohei. I don't think they're going to trade Shohei. I don't. But I also wouldn't be surprised. I don't know. I, I don't think they should. 
if you get it like that. I, I don't think they should trade Otani. But they got Renfro. And they've got, you know, maybe you figure out something with Joe Adele, who's out of options. Um, and he just came back up to the big league. So I, I wonder what they're going to do with him. What are the Diamondbacks going to do with their logjam at third base right now? Uh, Evan Longoria has been tremendous. Josh Rojas plays all over the diamond. Uh, Emmanuel Rivera has been tremendous. Is one of those guys going to suddenly become available? Do you go out and get one of them for a team that's trying to contend and trying to add some bullpen arms maybe perhaps? There's a couple of things that could slide on a Matt Arnold's desk here in the next 45 days. What I'm looking at is the the struggle. I just want to bring you into the room of, okay, this team has dealt with injuries all year long. They're in the top five of days spent on the injured list in baseball. Uh, they're only trailing, I believe, the Yankees and I want to say the Mets, actually, for most days spent on the injured list from their roster. So that's a real thing. And number two, let's be honest, the core is gone after next year. right? We don't know if one of them is going to get extended or not. But quite frankly, they probably would have been. Ex- I don't think Corbin's sticking around, and I don't know what you do with Willie. He hasn't been performing the last year and a half or so, and we love Willie as a clubhouse guy. I think he's a tremendous dude to talk to, but performance needs to show up too. And for an extension to happen, and for you to look to your future, I wonder if he's pressing a little bit right now. That sort of thing I always get in the back of my head. What would a, what would signing somebody do mentally? But you got to be smart. You really got to be smart. And at least we're seeing Yelich play well right now. But the point is, do you go for it this year? Expend your future. You've got Jackson Trurio who's coming in the next year and a half. You've got another kid, Tyler Black, who seems like he's going to be a stud by all standards. You know, he may not get the superstar pub and the pop prospect hype that Trurio gets, but Tyler Black's been having a very good season. Jacob Mizrowski's now in high A right now. You can go see him in Appleton next time you're up there. So... There's a lot of excitement on the farm, but what do you do when you know, like, well, we're going to suddenly get really young by the end of next season, depending on where they're standing competitively. I don't envy GMs in this exact limbo that the Brewers are in right now. And as Mark Adonacio has said, he always wants to have a competitive team. You can... Take those words and create your own definitions with it. That's your prerogative, and I have my prerogative. The point is, there is going to be flexibility to add on salary. Mark has made that clear. They have that ability to do that every trade deadline. What Matt has to leverage, because organizations these days, they clutch their prospects like pearls. And an organization like the Brewers, they really have to clutch those prospects. So... Where do you find value and balanced value in order to make a deal? Yeah, they traded Este Uri Ruiz, and it didn't quite work out. Well, Ruiz, I should say, didn't quite work out for the A's. Ruiz is still one of the best stolen base guys in baseball, but the Brewers got William Contreras back, Yoel Piams back. I mean, that's a deal I would do again and again and again. But the deal that got Ruiz, it's a little different, right? There was a reason he was expendable by the Padres, and Robert Gasser was expendable and things of that nature. It's not easy to be a general manager. That's all I have to say about this. But as you think about what's available, do you go get Lucas Giolito? Are you able to get some starting pitching? Or do you stick it and let it ride with Julio Tehran and Wade Miley's coming back and Brandon Woodruff's coming back? You really only have room for one starter. Do you go get a guy like that and, you know, it's a rental? And the guy that, you know, makes the signing first sets the market. 
So if you get, if you overpay first, everyone's gonna be like, "Oh, you overpaid." No one's gonna pay that for other free agents to be or things like that. Or if you underpaid, maybe the market suddenly gets a lot more active. The Brewers are in this. I don't think they're a perfect team. I think they're a decent team. And I think they're right on the edge of a playoff team right now with proper execution and proper performance. Is there somebody out there that the Brewers feel can help them? Maybe he's already in the organization. He's just on the injured list. And he's on his way back to Nashville right now. Two guys in particular jump out to me. Sal Freelich and Keston Hira. Yep, Keston. His AAA numbers are insane, y'all. When we're looking for a spark, you're looking for familiarity, you're looking for something to root for. And if Keston Hira continues to hit in AAA when he comes back from his injured list from a sprained knee, Keston Hira is going to be in the big leagues. So if Keston Hira suddenly shows what he did in the first half in Nashville before he got injured, here in the big leagues, that can help this team moving forward. If he shows the big league version of Keston Hira that we've seen the last two and a half years, then we're right back to where we're talking, where we started this segment. Don't forget, Sal Freelich is getting healthy. Keston here is getting healthy. They can help this team win, and they could be here soon. Just keep an eye out. Get to a couple of texts here in the next segment. We're going to talk about the offense uh, on a grander scale. Get into the report card segments coming up next on Brewers Weekly. This is Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Welcome back. I'm Dom Catronio, 855-616-1620 for joining us. We're with you till the top of the hour. 855-616-1620. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we've got to talk about the offense. want to get to a couple of texts here. Tom here in Milwaukee. Let's talk about Tyler Black mashing right now, shall we? Just shouted him out in the last segment. But here's a guy that has maybe the best eye in minor league baseball. He's got a 423 on base percentage in Biloxi right now. 242 batting average. That's why I tell you the, the on base percentage before the batting average. We got to stop talking about batting average. There's a great article in Fangraphs last week. Can we stop talking about batting average? I am going to talk a little bit about batting average in this segment, so forgive me. But we're going to start in the next 15 years. Batting average is not, it's just going to be, oh yeah, and he's hitting 300. That's cool. On-base percentage, WOBA, OPS+, plus, weighted runs created plus. That's the future. So the sooner you start recognizing that stuff, the front offices are already recognizing that stuff. So fans like us, we got to be able to digest it and understand where we're going with it too. So, But for Tyler Black, he's mashing because uh, he's got seven homers in a pitcher's league. He's only got six extra base hits otherwise, though, which gives me a little bit of cause for concern. But 45 walks, 49 strikeouts in 49 games right now. He missed a lot of time in his minor league career due to injury. Really would hope he stays healthy for the most part this year. But here's a guy that he can play probably a corner infield. Uh, he, he's somebody that also gets a ton of stolen bases, too. He's got 35 stolen bases, and only four times he's been caught. He's playing mostly third base, a second base here or there. Uh, there's some thoughts about his range and things of that nature, but he's probably going to be a third baseman. Uh, he's a left-handed hitter, right-handed thrower, and in case you're wondering about his splits, always oh, left-handed. How does he hit lefties? Does he ever play against lefties? Not great. 217 batting average, 649 OPS. Meh. Uh, but he doesn't get a lot of plate appearances against them. So the platooning happens at the minor league level, too. I just report the facts. I'm not 
I'm the messenger, okay? Don't come at me. We'll have a conversation about this at some point with some folks from the Brewers organization. I'll get to your other points here, Tom, a little bit later on as well. But you say a long shot, but go get Jake Berger. Dude, he might be the White Sox only all-star this year. So I don't think they're gonna, the White Sox are going to be able to sell a lot of their pieces. Let's talk about the Brewers offense here. I'm going to give them, let's, you know, on a, you know, school scale here, what would you give as a whole the Brewers offense to this point this season? I would probably give it a C minus to a D plus, personally. Uh, I know a lot of you are probably thinking, oh, it's an F, Dom. It's an F. It's an F. I mean, April was interesting. May was not. And now June, there's still time to turn things around in June, but it hasn't looked great. The biggest thing that I'm worried about is that comeback stat. I I talked about it on Sunday against the A's. uh, The fact that the Brewers haven't come from behind a two-run deficit since mid-May. Kurt Hogue did that research on Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. They haven't, not even just the tie and end up losing the game, right? They haven't overcome a two-run deficit since May 12th. Yikes. So that's why it's a C-minus, maybe D-plus for me. The reason why it's not an F is because there are still pieces that are doing their job. But let me just read you a few numbers here. Overall, their batting average, 229. That's only 26th out of 30. They're on base percentage, 306, also 26th out of 30. Their slugging percentage, 377, that's 27th out of 30. And their weighted runs created plus is just 87, meaning 100 is league average. Anything below it, you're below average. Anything above it, you're above average. They're 87, which is 25th out of 30. And yet they're 500. I don't know how they're 500, guys. It's because of that great start. We know that. The thing that jumps out to me, the way I fix it, runners in scoring position. The Brewers really aren't that bad average-wise and RBIs-wise. They're in the middle of the pack when it comes to with runners in scoring position. 236 average, but a sixth worst 86 weighted runs created plus with runners in scoring position. So not great. But here's the thing. They have the second fewest plate appearances with runners in scoring position in baseball. Second fewest. That's crazy that they're 500. They're a team that suddenly relies on the home run ball. They haven't been getting a lot of opportunities with runners in scoring position. I'm a big believer, and I said this a lot last year. You can give yourself more chances to hit with runners in scoring position, more comfort in these moments. Good things are going to happen. Some offense notes as well. One, two, three in the order. Combined, their weighted runs created plus is 92, which not great for your top three spots in the order. Four through nine, you know, you got power in there, four, five, and six. You would hope to have power. And then we all know the the rookies at the bottom of the order for the most part of this year have not performed. That number is just 84. So also not encouraging for the offense. I just want to go down the lineup here real quick. At a few guys that I want to point out some stats that jump out at me, jump off the page. Yelich has been great. We don't need to spend much more time on Yelich, but he's been on a really good pace. He's been on Miami, uh, on a Miami version of Yelich right now. Really love what I've been seeing from him. 269 batting average, uh, an OPS uh, in the mid-700s. He's somebody that the Brewers have been leaning on, and as they should be. And he had a great series in Minnesota. That's what makes that two-game sweep what stings the most. And I, I shortchanged him on the OPS at 791. But how about I'm worried about Owen Miller right now. Owen Miller, 
He had 13 strikeouts in that awesome month of May. He's already got 14 here in June. I worry about Willie Adamas. This month, he's got a 46% chase rate. That's That would be the worst rate for his career for a single month. He's just 6 for 31, uh, 194 batting average in June. Rowdy, he's only got a 3% barrel rate in June. Uh, you, you look at Brian Anderson, he's crushing breaking balls, 299 batting average against breaking balls but only a 214 batting average against fastballs, which he sees 55% of the time. So what I'm, what I'm saying here, the reason why I give those numbers in particular, it's performance-based. It's, it's what you see, right? We can look at these numbers. The Brewers are aware of these numbers, and it's not like, oh, silly me, let me flip the switch and get it done. No, it's not that easy. But the point is, it's execution. When the Brewers start executing, they can start winning. And that's simple. That sounds Trent Dilfery, right? Like, you can't lose games in the NFL and expect to win. But the point, <laughs> it's like, the Brewers have been an offense stuck in neutral since the start of May. That comeback stat just continues to be the stat that I look to. Show me you can make it come from behind win. Show me some improvement on those guys in particular. Because those are horses in your lineup, right? Miller is suddenly batting in the top half of the order. He's cooled off. William Contreras has cooled off, but his defense has made up for that. Brian Anderson's cooled off. Joey Weimer's cooled off. Rowdy and Willie have cooled off. So it has to come from one of those guys. It has to start there. And good hitting is just as contagious as bad hitting. Let's talk about the starting pitching staff up next on Brewers Weekly. Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. When we talk about starting pitching, the Brewers, it all starts with the fact that Brandon Woodruff's made two starts this year. 855 Old National Bank talking text line. So, Brandon Woodruff is throwing. He's been extended out to 120 feet on flat grounds. He's yet to throw down a mound, but that could be happening soon. All-star break-ish is the timeline. So when you look at it, okay, all-star break, probably after. That's kind of like your trade, is it not? That's kind of like, all right, we, we acquired Brandon Woodruff. He's back, right? You, you've missed him for the whole first half of the season. What do you do with Julio Tehran? What do you do with... Colin Ray, who will probably get optioned to AAA. But when I look at the performance of the starters right now, at the starting court on its own, it has a 4.06 ERA. That's just second in the Central, trailing the Cubs by about 0.12, so a tenth of a run. Cubs are at 3.94, Pirates are at 4.29, Cardinals way down at 4.69, and then the uh, finally finishing up the Reds, one of the worst pitching staffs in baseball at 588. So the performance can improve when Woodruff arrives. And also the option of Eric Lauer, that hasn't really been talked about a lot because it kind of snuck in the transaction wire after all the chaos on Tuesday. But I think that's a great move for Eric and for the Brewers. The Brewers send that signal to Eric saying, Dude, let's get you right. Let's not rush you back for the sake of rushing you back. He had a really tough time in Jacksonville in his second rehab start down there in AAA. So we'll keep an eye on him as he continues to improve and try to get himself right. I think that's the right call. I think Eric would agree with that too. Get him right, 
maybe you switch him to relieving. It's just a lot of contact, a lot of loud contact against Lauer right now. But if Corbin Burns, if you haven't noticed, he's slowly turning a corner right now, guys. And I I really like what we saw from him getting that strikeout bug again in Minnesota on Tuesday. But it can't be one guy. And I, I circle what Freddie Peralta needs to do moving forward. And I love Freddie. Freddie's awesome pitcher, man. And he knows it. It's just that one inning, man, that one 35-pitch inning per game that becomes, well, now he can't get past the six because he threw 35 and every other inning was 12 to 18 pitches, right? He was dominant in the other innings and he gave up three runs or four runs and that was his whole line, right? Those those mental lapses worry me. And I know he's competitive as heck. He is going to figure this out. Chris Hook is going to figure this out. Walker McKinvin, Jim Henderson, everybody in the front office. Freddie is somebody that the Brewers really were excited about in 2021. If he didn't get injured, he would have qualified. The Brewers could have had three guys in the top seven in Cy Young voting. Injured last year. The Velo's back. He's not injured this year. It's a matter of, once again, like I said in the last segment, execution. Need to see him execute more. A few numbers that jump out to me as well. The Brewers starters have only had one 10 strikeout game. That was Freddie in Colorado. One. Last year, they led Major League Baseball with 20 double-digit strikeout games. And at this point, by the end of June, they had 10 already. They've only got one right now. That worries me. Now, Brandon Woodruff not being around certainly impacts that, and Corbin Burns not being the same impacts that. And you're not, you don't just rely on strikeouts to measure a starting staff, but for a, a pitching staff as a unit that hasn't struck out as many guys, maybe that's where you got to do. Get, get, make sure the bat doesn't hit the ball. So my report card for the starting pitching would be, given the injuries and given what they've had to go through, I'll give it a C plus, borderline B minus, given everything that's gone down and the fact that Corbin is turning a corner. There's room for improvement, to say the least. We're going to talk overall pitching and then the relievers for that report card up next on Brewers Weekly. This is Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Real quick, congratulations in order. I'm Dominic Catronio. This is Brewers Extra Innings, live across the, the wire right now. may recognize the name Jack Council. Congratulations to Whitefish Bay claiming their first ever Division One title. Uh, they win today. Craig Council was in attendance. It was on Valley Sports Wisconsin. Congratulations to the son of the skipper, he was uh, scrolling through Twitter right now. He was in full-on dad mode. Congratulations to all the champions today up in Appleton uh, for State Championship Day at Neuroscience Group Field at Fox City Stadium. So uh, congrats to everybody that played today. Talking about relievers and the pitching staff overall here. And then real briefly, I, I'm not going to have time to talk in-depth about the defense, but the defense is an A+. plus. <laughs> I mean... That that's the easiest report card to give. William Contreras is an elite defensive catcher. Yeah, Brian Anderson had a bad day on Wednesday in Minnesota, but he's got the best arm in baseball. Brewers are one of the best teams at converting ground balls in the outs. Uh, they're third in defensive runs saved overall. Joey Weimer has been great in center field. Yelich has been great in left field. There's a lot. I mean, there's so much to love about the defense. That's the easiest A plus I can give about this team. It has been their calling card and why they're pitching has a 277 batting average of balls in play. Why is that number significant? 
The reason is that's the fourth best rate in baseball. <laughs> and, and we talk about how the pitching's been kind of so-so this year. Their overall batting average and play against for a team that doesn't strike out as many guys as they have in the past, being fourth best, it's because of their defense. And furthermore, to prove it, they're fielding independent pitching. FIP, you know, where you really wait, walk, strikeouts, and homers. The Brewers, three things the Brewers don't exactly do well. They walk a few more guys than usual. They give up uh, a ton more homers than most teams in, in the bigs do. And also, uh, they they don't strike out that many guys. So a 4.66 FIP, fielding independent pitching, is just 25th out of 30. So the point is, the defense is saving the day. A lot of times, the defense is an A+. The pitching overall... For me, we gave the starters a C plus. It just means the pitching as as a whole would probably be a C, and the relievers would be a C C minus. Because this was the number one question coming out of spring training: How is the bullpen going to perform with the ball guys that we haven't known? Kudos to Yoel Piomps. He has had a great first two months. He's staggered a little bit here in June. Elvis Piguero, man, that is some nasty gas. Easy gas too. He, I really am really looking forward to seeing his development. Uh, and he's been pitching some leverage innings lately. Peter Strzelecki has wobbled a little bit here. Matt Bush pitching back-to-back days in Nashville tonight. He'll be back soon. He's going to help. It's an arm. Okay, If he continues not to perform, then we can talk about it. But Matt Bush is going to help relieve some of the stress on this bullpen right now. Bryce Wilson, he has pitched very, very well. The saves early in the year, being a bridge... Serving that kind of janitor role, but not when they're trailing. They have trusted him with leads, too. Don't lose sight of what they've done with him. And Hobie Milner, slow start, getting it going again right now with the inherited runners. The bullpen, it seems worse when they're shaky. But at the same time, the bullpen's performed pretty well. It just feels worse than it is. The problem is the home run ball. They have the fourth highest home run rate allowed per plate appearance uh, in baseball. So let's keep the ball in the yard. Talking to you, Matt Bush. I know. Uh, Peter Shazlucky's had trouble with this too lately. Let's keep the ball in the yard and good things are going to happen, which doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out. So overall pitching's a C. Relievers probably C- to a C. Starting pitching's a C+. Defense is an A+. Offense is a D+, C-. Can this midterm here coming up against the Pirates be the way that they start to turn things around, getting ready to close out the semester, if you will, on a strong note before the All-Star break, and then you're going to be a completely different class coming up after the break when Woodruff arrives and Wade Miley's back on Saturday and see if you make any moves. The fact that they're 500, and as I've said on post-game shows, Murphy's Law, everything that could have gone wrong has gone wrong. They haven't performed. It hasn't been fun. And they're 500. You know that when they execute, it's in there. They seem to do it sooner as opposed to later. And maybe it starts tomorrow night against the Pirates. Uh, I want to make some comments here real quick about the situation in Oakland. That's how we'll wrap up the show. A couple texts just popped in here as well. Read those here next on WTMJ. It's Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Last couple minutes of the program. This text from Tom earlier talking about Mark Adonacio being one of the three owners on the Oakland Relocation Committee, reported today by Ken Rosenthal. 
with the situation with the roof and reasonably speaking other cities being more profitable than the smallest media market in baseball, how concerned should we be about an eventual attempt to break our hearts? I, I would say it's very, 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 very slim, but not non-existent. The reason I say that is the, the lease is still in good standing and stuff like this, you know, money to repair and things of that nature doesn't really get pushed until it's in the 11th hour, right? So there isn't quite an urgency yet to get it done. I give kudos to the brewers trying to get ahead of the curve, right? They don't want to do it in the 11th hour. They want to extend at least to the 2040s. They want to be able to say, look, you do this public money thing now, we get it over with, we move on. The taxpayers already own the stadium. They signed the lease back when it was built that this is part of the contract. I don't want to make this into a whole politics segment. I've got like 90 seconds left. So this is a whole nuanced thing, and we're so early in this right now, we'll be able to react to it at a later episode. But the point I want to make about Rob Manfred today, and I understand I work for a flagship station, and I work uh, very closely uh, along people who work with the brewers and things of that nature. What Rob Manfred said today about, oh, a league average, I, I just want to read the quote so I don't get it wrong. If, you did not, if you're not familiar, the A's held a reverse boycott. Their fans did, I should say. On Tuesday night against the Rays, they sold 27,000 seats plus, nearly 28,000. They outdrew the Diamondbacks, they outdrew the Mariners, they outdrew the Orioles that night. They had a great night. And yet, the the commissioner of baseball today, speaking to the media, and this is all in Ken Rosenthal's article on The Athletic, speaking to the media today, just talks about the fact that Oakland, oh yeah, it was about an average crowd. Good to see them all rally together. Come on, man. What are we doing? Can you be a fan of the game that you run for once? You called the trophy with your name on it a piece of metal. Can you please show some respect to a city that's about to lose its team? I understand you work for the owners. I understand that you have to make money. But at the end of the day, man, if you're doing this, if you're setting this example now, what's a city like Milwaukee, like Thomas, concerned about? Wait, if, if we don't get it done, are we going to leave too? That needs to happen. We need to fix this, Rob. Let's have a little more sympathy, please, okay? Please. I know he's going to walk back on those comments here soon, and it's going to be a-okay. Thank you for listening. Had to get that off my chest. Uh, Sam Butson, our producer. I'm Dom Catronio. We'll see you tomorrow for Brewers Extra Innings. Until then, keep on swinging.